I want you to turn to Galatians chapter 6. And if you're able to, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Uh, my teaching today is inspired by author Rochella Parham, and I'll quote her a couple of times through today's teaching. We're going to talk about dealing with comparison and envy. And man, it's going to be something for every human being. Every one of us deal with this. Galatians chapter 6, starting with verse 1. Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. Carry one another's burdens, in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Verse 4, here's a key verse. Let each person examine his own work, and then he can take pride in himself alone and not compare himself with someone else. For each person will have to carry his own load. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So comparison is something we've been, we've been identifying as um, a trap for us. We've been identifying as a challenge towards us. It has limited us. It has damaged us. It has stifled us. It has stopped progress. All of this has happened by unhealthy comparison. Yet, I, I want to start out this teaching today and just acknowledge the fact that almost everything in life, in our life, our culture, is based off comparison. Uh, we, we have a life that is revolved around comparison. We compare prices when we shop. No one just buys something without data, comparison data. We compare numbers around our, our health, our blood pressure, our blood sugar, our pulse. We compare financial reports. We compare win-loss records. The way we live our lives demands comparison. And so, in a lot of ways, when we just say, if I said, well, hey, comparison is just all bad, then that's not really being authentic because we almost cannot function without comparison. It's how we use comparison. So here's my first point today. Comparison can be positive. It can be a positive experience. Here's, here's a great quote. Comparison is not a sin. It's a tool. I, I probably have preached somewhere along the way or taught the sin of comparison. And no doubt we'll see today, and you've lived it out too, that comparison, when unhealthy, can lead to sin and it can put us in sin or can certainly damage us emotionally or spiritually. But when used well, and when used under the direction of the Holy Spirit and the guidance of Scripture, it's a tool. It's a tool that can be used for our benefit. Comparison can help us thrive. We see a better way. We observe someone more disciplined than us. We are challenged by someone else's capacity to take a risk. And we think, hey, I can do that too. 
And we're just kind of lifted. And I could just give you name after name after name of people who have lifted me, people in this room, people from historical uh, context that I've, that I've read biographies of, um, and people that I've met, people that I haven't met. Uh, the human heart is lifted. The human heart is inspired uh, by the example of someone else. So it is that the biblically-based catalyst for this is called modeling. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Um, Peter says, observe the life of your leaders and imitate what they do. And so this idea of modeling and, and comparing our lives can have positive benefits. But we know this, that when it's used incorrectly, comparison is like a delicious bait that traps us. We're trapped in a distorted self-image. We're trapped in self-hate. We're trapped in depression. And some of this, not all of this, but some of this can stem from unhealthy comparison. I mentioned reading biographies, and, and that's part of my growth plan. And I'm amazed at how many effective leaders have dealt with depression and have dealt with these kind of dark moods and dark clouds that come over them. And in my 30s, I dealt with that some. I didn't even know I was dealing with that. And the Lord has, has, has helped, me, helped me manage that. And Beth has helped me manage that. And it's this idea, I think, that there's so many factors to it. But one of them is this, this ideal. If you're a visionary person, you always have this goal in front of you. And, and part of the way you move a group of people and motivate people is you're stretching for this goal. And you never quite get there. But the fact that you have that goal kind of increases your capacity and stretches your limits and causes you to move forward. And the Lord helps us manage that. And then, so then we move into this unhealthy comparison where we begin to belittle ourselves. We begin to think of us as ourselves as less than what God sees us as. And I, I just want you to see a different way from Scripture today. That comparison, unfortunately, this is my second point, can be a trap. It can be a trap. A trap that takes us to a an unpreferred place, as I referenced last week, to sideways years, to a sense of distortion that keeps us from who God wants us to be. Evidently, there were some, there were some people in ministry in the first century that were comparing themselves to Paul. And they were saying, you know, Paul's not that great. We're better. Paul gets kind of defensive of this and my interpretation of it. But within Paul's defense of himself, we learn some great principles from Scripture about avoiding the trap of comparison. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting with verse 7. And we're going to use the New Living Translation. You know, translations have different purposes, but the New Living is so readable. It's not as precise but it's good to the ear. And in this long passage, this will help us. Look at the obvious facts. Those who say they belong to Christ must recognize that we belong to Christ as much as they do. Here's Paul defending himself. Like, like I belong to Christ too. It may seem to be boasting too much about the authority given to us by the Lord, but our authority builds you up. It doesn't tear you down. So I will not be ashamed of using my authority. 
I'm not trying to frighten you by my letters. For some say Paul's letters are demanding and forceful, but in person he is weak and his speeches are worthless. Verse 11, those people who those people should realize that our actions when we arrive in person will be as forceful as what we say in our letters from far away. In other words, he's saying, hey, I know I'm a good writer, but I'm not bad speaking either. Verse 12, oh, don't worry. We wouldn't dare say that we are as, as wonderful as these other men who tell you how important they are, but they are only comparing themselves with each other using themselves as a standard of measurement. Let's just, let's just pause there for a second. So he's basically saying, I'm not going to compare myself to those, guys, those other uh, people who are doing that to me because they're using too small of a standard. They're, they're using a worldly standard. They're, they're using the wrong measurement, how ignorant this is. So going on in, in, in the, ne- the next verse, it says, we will not boast about things done outside of our area of authority. We will boast only about what has happened within the boundaries of the work God has given us, which includes our working with you. We are not reaching beyond these boundaries when we claim authority over you as if we have never visited you, for we were the first to travel all the way to Corinth with the good news of Christ. Nor do we boast and claim credit for the work someone else has done. Instead, we hope that your faith will grow so that the boundaries of our work among you will be extended. Then we will be able to go and preach the good news in other places far beyond you where no one else is working. Then there will be no question of our boasting about work done in someone else's territory. As the scripture says, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. Isn't that good paraphrase there? When people commend themselves, it doesn't count for much. The important thing is for the Lord to commend them. I know that was a lengthy passage. But, but I wanted you to, to see the whole context of it. I mean, wouldn't you like to know the whole backstory there? That, that'll be something cool to find out in heaven. Like, what was going on? Why was Paul so irritated there? And, and, and why was he defensive? And within that defensiveness, the Holy Spirit spoke. And here's what the Holy Spirit's saying. And I'm sorry, if, go ahead and put that, that scripture back up. I know it's our poor media people. I'm impossible to follow up here. There's been like this meeting. We need to get Aaron a clicker so he can just click through. And so, yeah, but that's just like two things to do with my hand and who knows what would happen. I'd fall off the stage for sure. Notice how close I've gotten through the years, you know, trying to stay on the stage. Can you imagine if I had two things in my hand? Okay, as the scripture says, if you want to boast, boast about the Lord. When people commend themselves, it doesn't count for much. The important thing is that the Lord to commend them. It's, it's changing our comparison, not to the standard of somebody else, but looking to the Lord. This is not in your notes, but it's one of my life scriptures, Galatians 1.10. Ask this question, am I trying to win the approval of men or am, I, or am I trying to win the approval of God? If I'm trying to win the approval of men, I'm, I'm not a servant of God. So we, we change our standard and we say like, we're not gonna fall into the trap. This trap was happening right here in this scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Let, let's talk about this comparison spectrum that I think this helps us know. Let, let's pretend like the pulpit here is, is, the, you know, is the, the fulcrum, the balancing point. Now you can go ahead and put that slide up. And, and here to, to, your, to your right is what we're talking about today is we can get out of balance and envy and jealousy. That's just so easy to do when we compare someone. We're gonna think they're better. We're, we're, you know, the, the old saying is this, it's so true. We compare what we know about ourselves to what we don't know about someone else. And we envy them and we're jealous. 
The other, and I don't think we deal with this quite as much, but some of you who are cocky and arrogant, maybe you do deal with this, is this disdain. Like, I'm better than them. And yeah, I guess we've all dealt with that. You know, I'm doing better than them. And, and because I'm doing better, um, we, we don't have proper, proper perspective. It's like years ago, you know, as I'm struggling with my finances and I felt really bad about my finances, I've, I've just go listen to Dave Ramsey, not for inspiration, but just because someone was doing worse than me. I mean, there's someone with a lot more debt than me. And I thought, okay, I'm not so bad after all. Well, that's not good either. That's not a good type of comparison too. And so we, we want to stay centered, centered on the word, centered on scripture, centered on God, not getting over to envy and jealousy, not getting to arrogance and disdain. In unhealthy comparison, I, I use your gift as a way to condemn myself. When I'm in this area of envy and jealous, I'm just thinking that because you're gifted, I'm not as gifted. Because you're successful, I'm not successful. Uh, because you're prosperous, I'm not prosperous. And we use, I use your gift to self-doubt, to judge myself, and that's not property. It's that's not proper. It's really a scarcity mindset. Here's a scarcity mindset. If someone else is blessed, then there's less blessing for me. Boy, it's easy to believe that. If someone else is really getting the favor of God or they're getting uh, the recognition, then that recognition, that favor, that blessing is no longer for me. An abundance mindset knows that there's enough to go around God, God doesn't have limited resources. God doesn't have limited opportunity. God doesn't prefer one person over the other. He customized his favor for us with what we need, for what we can handle, for the situation, for his glory, for his kingdom, for his purpose. Not so much just for our fulfillment, though we will find fulfillment, but for his story and his purposes and an abundant mindset believes that. Here, here's the last thing I want to say, and I'm going to talk about this for a few minutes, so don't think. He's at the third point already. Let's unfocus now. Comparison can be an opportunity. I want you to see this because we, we're, we're, we can quickly identify comparison is bad. I've already told you comparison can be a tool. Now we know comparison can be a trap. Now I want to suggest to you that as Jesus people, as kingdom people, as scripture people, comparison can be an opportunity, an opportunity for us to think differently, to speak differently, to live differently. Comparison can be an opportunity for us to bring kingdom, the kingdom of God to earth by, by pushing against and living contrary to how we naturally might live when we're jealous and envious. Here's the opportunity. I want us to read from 1 Corinthians 3, and I want you to see kingdom thinking. I want you to see a different way of thinking. There was this type of rivalry that's common to any sector of society, but it's happening right in the church. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul wrote, For my part, brothers and sisters, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as babies in Christ, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, since you were not ready for it. In fact, you were still not ready because you are still 
worldly. For since there is, and here, here's that spectrum we talked about, envy and strife among you, are you not worldly and behaving like mere humans? So a characteristic of worldly thinking is envy and strife and all kinds of disruptive things happening. And so this is where we have a kingdom opportunity by using comparison as a tool to be different people. Uh, using comparison as a tool to be Jesus Bible-centered people. So verse four says, for whenever someone says, I belong to Paul and another, I belong to Apollos, are you not acting like mere humans? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? And you can substitute your favorite pastor or your favorite religious personality or your favorite preacher or your favorite personality. What, what are these men and women? They are servants through whom you believed. Come on, isn't that true? They're servants from who you believed. And each one has the role the Lord has given them. This, is, this cuts through competition. And it eliminates unhealthy comparison. When you realize that servants are just doing the Lord's work and each one has a different role for a different season, and so do you. Verse six, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So then neither the one who plants or the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Verse nine, for we are God's co-workers, and you are God's field, God's building. And if I apply this to my life, it's going to take away so much unhealthy comparison. If you apply it as servants of God, not as competitors, not as achievers, not as people who are fulfilling our our inner need and desire, but as servants of God. He says, like, I want to play a role. I, I want to play a role. I just want to play a role in the kingdom. And, and God helped me to live this out, realizing that someone else has a different role and that when we're walking with the Holy Spirit, seeking his guidance, when we're living according to scripture, when we're, we're living in healthy community, we're... we're we're stepping into the place God has for us. And that should be good enough for us. And that, that should be an okay play, place for us. And it's okay. It's okay if someone else has a different role. And God, help us to live this out. I love this quote. Your gifts don't show me up. They hold me up. Isn't that a great kingdom perspective? Like, because you're good doesn't mean that I'm bad. Because you're lifted up doesn't mean I'm down. It means that what you offer, what you give holds me up and helps me love Christ more, helps me love my family more, helps me be a better member of the community, a better contributor to society. Your inspiration and your leadership and your servant's heart and your faithfulness and your presence and your personality is a gift that holds me up. Here, here's some other statements. I'm better because you are good. 
Isn't that a great thing? Like, I'm a better person because you are good. It's not if you are good, I'm less good. It's not if, if you are good, then there's more shade of bad on me. It's no, I am better because you are good. Your gifts benefit me. They don't threaten me. I'm not threatened by your giftedness. I'm benefited from it. This is kingdom thinking. This is, this is about us being together, uh, following one leader, Jesus Christ, and realizing it's about his purposes being unfolded. It's about his story being told. It's about him implementing his purposes for our generation, and we can celebrate the success of others. My life is better because I'm in relationship with you, because we're connected. I need you. These are, these are powerful reframing of how we typically think. We typically just are always in this give and take that people are taking from me when they have more influence instead of they're giving. They're giving. As they grow, I grow. As they benefit, we all benefit. So here's something to consider. You can consider this and you can come to your own conclusion. Is comparison a habit? I mean, it's a tool, but is unhealthy comparison, let's put it that way, is unhealthy comparison a habit? And yeah, I'd say it is. So you can listen to a sermon like this and say, you know, leave today and say, I agree with Aaron that unhealthy comparison is not good for me. We could all have that conclusion today. But coming to a collective conclusion doesn't necessarily change our behavior or doesn't change that reality. You have to change the habit of comparison and say, I'm changing the habit of unhealthy comparison. Now, let's talk a little bit. I haven't used this word a lot, but jealousy. Jealousy is, is something that um, some of us have more, you know, ha have a more naturally jealous way about them. Others, they say they don't have a jealous bone in their body, but I think everyone's dealt with jealous, jealousy at one time or the other or at different sectors. And my experience with jealousy is this, is that it's been more of a reflex in me. I haven't chose, like, I'm going to be jealous right now. It just, it's like an emotional reaction. It just kind of comes over us. It's like we don't choose for it to happen. It just explodes within us. And so short term, how do we deal with jealousy? I think we can redirect our thoughts. The Bible says, take captive your thoughts. moment, begin to be obedient to Jesus Christ. And so we could actually just in that moment begin to recalibrate or begin to rethink about how we're viewing the situation. And some of these concepts I've taught today, we start applying them to your life, begin to think like kingdom people, begin to reorientate ourselves to how Jesus would look at this situation. And immediately, immediately there's immediate relief from that jealousy, I, I believe it begins to subside. This is one of those uh, practices we have to kind of work out because I think sometimes in our, in our um, attempt to not be jealous or our attempt to uh, not have envy, um, we can overcompensate by sounding inauthentic. You know, we're like, you stole 200 bucks from me. I'm so glad you got that 200 bucks. I'm so happy for you, you thief. Yeah, I'm just so happy you did that. And it doesn't come across authentic. I, and, and I think that 
that we, we have to learn to manage that. But immediately when that reflex of jealousy comes over us, I believe we can reorientate our thoughts immediately. What about long-term health? Long-term, how can we avoid unhealthy comparison and envy? And that is cultivating contentment. I've got lots of sermons on contentment, and so we, we won't, I won't preach one now, but understanding the power of contentment in your life. Contentment is such a powerful force. Uh, let's talk about social media for a second. Social media is a fraud, guys. It is just, can be ridiculous because everyone presents ourselves with our best foot forward on social media. And so I believe in the last 10 years, uh, social media has multiplied the perils of comparison. And comparison, unhealthy comparison, is as old as the hills. But now social media has multiplied its impact. And, and we're still learning social media, aren't we? We're still figuring out what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. Um, and so I want to encourage you, use social media, but don't let social media use you. I mean that, use it if you find it beneficial and helpful, which I do. I mean, I like social media. I use it to pastor people. I use it to keep up with people I pastor. I use it to network. I, I, I use it as a prayer point for people that I love. Like, I'm not one of those who have ever felt the need to announce to someone, I am leaving social media for the next three months or anything like that. I just leave when I want to for a few days and come back in when I'm ready again. Um, but um, if you find it useful like I do, I mean, I think it's a good thing. It's been a good thing in my life for many, many more reasons. Uh, use social media, but don't let social media use you. And there's all types of techniques for that. Knowing this is that if you feel less human, if you, feel, if you don't feel as good about yourself because you're always comparing yourself to other people, then uh, you, you should consider a technique. Maybe you need to fast social media. God will show that to you. Maybe you need to remanage how you do it. The Lord will show that to you. But I wanted to address that because I think that when we talk about this subject, that is preeminent in our mind. Let me ask you this last question as, as I move towards the closing here. When we're secure in ourselves and our life with God and we're centered on God, what do we bring to the world? Like when you're really secure with God and you're secure with yourself and you're centered on God and his plans and his purposes for your life, what do you bring to the world? You bring this assurance that you are his and he belongs to you. And when you're around someone like that, it just puts you at ease. Someone that doesn't have an agenda. Someone that isn't overly needy. So, someone who isn't, isn't trying to um, find an edge on you or find an advantage over you. This person is centered on Jesus and there's a wholeness, there's a peace about them, there's a shalom, there's a settledness, there's a centering that they're a person that knows their God living according to, to Scripture, centering them with the guidance of the Holy Spirit in that moment, in that conversation, in that time. And when that happens, that person, and I hope I can be that person, can 
offer their gift to the world without reservation and without comparison and without trying to outdo someone else. It just flows out of them. And, and they can say, because Jesus has gifted me and I'm centered on Jesus and he's loved me and, and he, he's watching over my life, I can offer all of me without competition and without unhealthy comparison. And think about it, guys, as we move closer to that ideal place. Maybe we'll do it five days out of seven and the next week's six out of seven and the next three out of seven, but we keep moving, we keep moving, we keep moving towards that ideal place of centering on Jesus and living out of health and offering ourselves. Guys, we'll start changing the world around us. I mean, it will just start, it'll start making a real difference because as Jesus is lifted up, just as we started out in worship, it changes everything. And that's what God has for us. I want us to pray together. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, I pray that this teaching would shake us up in a good way. And Father, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, we would never be the same after today. That we would lay aside unhealthy comparison. Lord, that we would, we would take the stories that we have created in our minds and we would end those stories of comparison and God we would walk into the path that you have for us God I pray against self hate in Jesus name I thank you that your love is stronger than self hate I thank you that your love can penetrate beyond the barriers that people have created in their own minds and in their own hearts and your love can go deep deep down in, into what has been barricaded deep in people's hearts. And the Father wants you to know this, that he loves you just how you are. The Father has made you short. The Father has made you large. The Father has made you with a very unique shrill to your voice. And that's the way the Father wants it. The Father has made you funny. The Father has made you serious. The Father has made you intellectual. The Father has made you goofy. The Father has made you relational. The Father has made you an introvert. You are all right just the way you are because God created you the way you are. Quit trying to live someone else's life. Step into the life God has for you. Step into the place that God has for you. It's a place of confidence. It's a place of assurance. It's a place of affirmation. It's a place that God is cheering you on and saying, that's my girl. That's my guy. That's my son. That's my daughter. That's my partner. That's my coworker. That's my friend. That is the one that I have set my love upon and I have created them just as they are to be. Satan doesn't want to hear you hear this message but the Father has created you in his image, the image of the Father. Your personality the way you are reflects him, reflects the expression of who he is, the crown of all creation. You're greater than the Grand Canyon. You're greater than Victoria Falls. You're greater than the constellations. You're greater than creation itself. You're greater than the most majestic animal. You're greater than any other entity you can compare yourself to because you are made in the image of God, image bearers of the, the, the very essence of who God is submitted to God. 
that is who you are in Jesus. Amen.